because I do think we need a lot more of for us by us to heal us, you know, and that's basically the cause and the movement that I've learned from the company. I've really taken that piece of being that voice and trying to figure out how do we heal our people because some of us don't even know we sick, child. They just out here <laughs> doing whatever. Well, if you have a fuck you, don't get fired. Send them to us here at blackatworkpod at gmail.com. Or, you know, now you can also go on our website, blackatworkpod.com and submit them through anonymously through the submission forms. So our first fuck you, or we only have one, I'm sorry, (laughs) but our fuck you is from Kiana. Hey, Kiana. She says, so something needs to be said about the countless number of jobs that expect us to be quiet through this time. We have faced an insurmountable amount of oppression and we shouldn't be required or expected to remain quiet anymore. Super tired of sitting on meetings where I'm the only black person on the call and there is this huge elephant in the room. The manager who hosted a staff meeting I was on this morning, semi brought up everything that was going on in the world, in the world for 2.2 seconds, then changed the subject so fast. It's not that he was mentioning the actual issue to shed light on it, but you get it. Is it that difficult for white people, for white people to openly talk about racism or is it truly a taboo in white society to even bring it up? I'm really asking this question. Please chime in. Or do some white people just not see it? My coworkers have been visibly uncomfortable on meetings the past week, and I've pretty much just stayed quiet. My mind is tired of thinking, and I'm not sure I really know how to process much of what is going on. I'm feeling quite drained watching the news, and I'll be honest, my productivity this past week for sure has been nothing short of barely making it. Barely sleeping, overthinking, anxiety, and still smiling through the phone every morning when I'm required to talk. I'm not okay. Are you? Wow. She said a lot there. And um, I put out a poll earlier this week on our website. I'm sorry, not our website, on our Instagram, asking everyone if their employer has said anything about uh, what's going on or mentioned it or put out any releases. And 75% of you guys said no, which I was surprised because all you see on social media are these companies, you know, now proudly saying Black Lives Matter took y'all six years, but okay. And so it's just surprising to me that a lot of these companies are feeling this way. And I honestly saw a bunch of posts kind of like this, this week where it was a lot of companies um, that were being insensitive are not even saying anything about what was going on. I've seen a lot of companies come out and actually this past week, we've seen a lot of people just, you know, a lot of white people coming out the woodworks, you know, trying to express their sympathy, but our job, they sent us an email. They've been having seminars um, and just saying that, you know, they're not about to take racism basically and that they need to do better with, or I guess not do better, but they, to me, do better with, you know, diversity and inclusion. Because, I mean, let's be honest, they weren't talking about it before. Right. So, and then also, my mom, I actually witnessed her working from home yesterday, 
And her HR person called her directly to ask her with everything that's going on, how do you feel? And, you know, she basically told them everything. And she, she said that her HR person was like, you know, we don't know how you guys feel. I have a different outlook on that, but I mean, at least they calling and, you know, I feel like the protesting and the burning shit down is, you know, making people wake the fuck up and actually take us kind of seriously now. It's so funny that you said that. And I have a short little segue on that, but I've noticed, (laughs) have you noticed this, but have you noticed that white people are being extra nice in public now? (laughs) Um, no. No, you haven't? Uh, Okay. So I was in Oklahoma this past weekend. (laughs) Um, I was driving through Oklahoma to get back to Dallas. We stopped at this gas station stop. Now, nobody had on a mask but the Black people there, and all the Black people there was with me. Um, But they were like extra... extra extra friendly and of course I had on my Nina Simone shirt like mood fuck y'all and they're like hi hi how you doing so I just thought that was I thought that was funny that you said that but it's actually kind of dope um that your job your mom's job called her personally you never hear stuff like that so I mean in light of everything going on at least we have some companies at least acting like they give a fuck. My current job and my former job um, both did something. My last job uh, just straight put out hashtag Black Lives Matter. Like we're not putting up with it. So um, it it feels good, I feel like, um, as a virtual activist myself, to see all of these people showing support. But I fear that it's becoming a trendy trendy thing versus y'all really showing support for us because y'all little black squares didn't really do shit for real. Y'all know that shit. Right. And that's funny that you say that, you know, it's becoming a trend. I feel like a lot of the big companies that are coming out, I mean, I don't know, you know, a lot of, a lot of when they have like publicists or they have media relations or public relations for these companies, you know, they're doing what, they think the people are going to want them to do so that we can continue to consume things or so, you know, they don't get a lot of backlash, but to answer your question, Kiana, about, are we okay? Cause you said you're, you're not okay with, with working, you know, I've been at work and I feel the same way because the people on the low level people, not low level people, but the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis and that you interact with, they're not saying anything about it. You know, you have to get on these meetings and talk to people. You're on meetings with eight to 10 people and nobody's saying anything. And we have to continue to go about our normal ass day acting like nothing is happening. So yes, it's great that on one side, the HR people are reaching out to us and saying, you know, how are you feeling? But at the same time, it would also feel a little, I don't know if they would, you know, the people that we get on meetings with would say, you know, like, dang, there's a lot going on. Is everybody okay? Cause I'm like you said, I'm Kiana as well. The only black person on my team. So I feel it too. I ain't doing shit. No way. But <laughs> if I was doing it, I probably would be feeling like you and, you know, probably my productivity would slow down. So, but yeah, girl, you're not the only one. And I'm sure everybody in the world right now that has to work is going through it. Yeah. So you remember our guest from the Great White Lies episode? Yep. 
Elijah. So he commented and said, I had to send an email to my company explaining how this may be affecting their black employees and our mental health. I didn't get a response until super late and it had PR written all over it. The next day we finally got a company wide email, but it's a forward from one of our investors and it has no action items on it. I was extremely disappointed as they make it seem like they look out for everyone, but nothing has even been suggested by management. It's just business as usual. I took it upon myself to create a chat with all the black people in my company and we have an all black meeting tomorrow to talk about what happens next. What makes it worse is my white manager was CC'd on my email and she hasn't said a word, not a one. Only one person has checked up on me, but they were minority and not management. It seems as if they're all just waiting for this to go away. And I know that's exactly what they mean. You know what? Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and get into the water cooler. Protests for justice in the case for George Floyd have continued throughout the week and around the world in 13 countries and in all 50 states. We the people. That's right. (laughs) We the people have called for the arrest of all three cops involved in the murder of George Floyd. K-pop stands went hard on Twitter. Those are the kids that love Korean pop music, (laughs) by the way. Um, bitch, the witches came out, the Amish hoe, anonymous, hella businesses, celebrities. I saw a nigga in a Spider-Man costume. (laughs) (laughs) Nigga, everybody came out and we had that bitch in the White House in the army against us. So shout out to y'all for at least getting these cops arrested. They have officially charged them with second degree murder, I believe. Which, you know, I have my own opinion on that. I believe it's a chess move because second degree murder is harder to convict. They're going to say that he didn't intentionally men kill him and then we'll be back in the same cycle. But that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm hoping that with every everybody's been protesting in all 50 states, like you said, like everybody, even in other countries, everybody has been protesting and people haven't, you know, usually it. I feel a little bit better because usually, you know, we would see people protesting for like a day or two and then it would die down. But now you see, I mean, it, they ain't stopping. Like they, they going every day, they going hard. It's it's like you feel, I don't know if it's just me, but it's like you feel a shift kind of like moving. Like stuff is like, like we ain't taking no more. Like we done, we over it. Like y'all about to do what we need y'all to do. Exactly. And I'm hoping that it's a positive shift I feel like our fight has been so long. I posted something on our um, Instagram earlier this week about the Black Holocaust, where we spent 400 years in slavery. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like we had slavery, then Jim Crow, then mass incarceration. And now we're living with police brutality from um, 1965 till now. So it's just like one fucking thing after another, after another, like my people suffer. We suffer a lot in this country. And it's a shame because when we speak up on the suffering, we're told, go back to your, go back to Africa then. No, bitch, we built this country. We built this country. If, if anything, y'all should be paying for us <laughs> in our intelligence. Hello. Um, for us to uh, for us to be here because y'all brought us here. It's called reparations, but y'all want to get that to everybody else, but that's a whole <laughs> Girl. Girl. And on top of that, to go back, piggyback on what you're saying, we didn't choose to come over here. Okay. Y'all snatched us 
for our motherland while we was over there with buckets of water, whatever we was doing on our heads or whatever we was trying to go get our water, feed our kids, whatever we was doing over there back then. (laughs) We was minding our businesses and y'all came over and snatched us up and put us on the slave boat. God damn it. So don't tell me to go back when you snatched me and took me over here without my own will. <laughs> you stupid talking about baskets on our heads with water. <laughs> Nigga, you watch too much National Geographic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, first, I want to say happy Pride Month to all our LGBTQIA plus brothers and sisters. There is no black liberation without black LGBTQIA plus liberation. Now is a good time to point out that their Black lives matter as well. So rest in peace to Aaliyah Johnson, Monica Diamond, Nina Pop, and Tony McDade, all Black trans people murdered as well during this exact time as all this George Floyd stuff is going on. You don't hear about them. Let's say their names too. If your activism doesn't include members of this group, then it isn't real activism. We don't get to choose which Black people are worthy enough to fight for. We're all in this together. Yeah, I agree. If you black, you black. It don't matter if you, you know, LGBTQ and all the other. Uh, Dana, Dana already said it because I don't know all of the the, the acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> if you black, you black. Like we should be discriminated against. What type of black? I mean, I don't even know why that even matters. So we should be standing up for it. If you black, we all in this together. Okay, so amen. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, (laughs) the pressure from the people also worked in the case for Breonna Taylor. As you guys know, she was the um, young 26-year-old EMT from Louisville that was gunned down by Louisville murders in a no-knock warrant, and they had the wrong motherfuckers. Well, her murderers are still employed by Louisville PD. They have not been charged for shit. Um, but several people and celebrities have been calling for the arrests of her murderers. Um, the local FBI in Kentucky picked up the case and Brianna's fi- her family filed a, a wrongful death lawsuit. And the uh, Louisville Metropolitan Police Department announced the other day that they will now change the department and how they carry out search warrants in response to Brianna's death. They're calling it the Brianna's Law. And it's an advance that was organized by Katura Haran and the Black Lives Matter Division of Louisville. I don't know why I have a hard time saying Louisville, but the Black Lives Matter Division of Louisville. So good job, guys. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's sad that, you know, Brianna had to die in order for that law to be created. And happy birthday, Brianna. I know she would have been 27. Yes, her birthday was yesterday. It's just sad to me that why are they still employed? I'm confused. So confused. Like it. It makes no sense. And 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 then and then to know that you did that, to know that you did that to a young girl who was asleep in her bed and she died innocently, and you getting up and going to work every day, Monica? You getting up and going to work every day. You getting up, making your lunch, kissing your wife, kissing your kids. You probably got a 27-year-old daughter somewhere. Like, and the the sad thing is, if none of this was happening, they wouldn't even be saying shit about it. They wouldn't even be them them people would still be going to work and not being able to be, you know, being held accountable, possibly. Well, I think, like you said, the there's been a shift and I'm hoping that the mounting pressure will 
force them to reconsider charging these murderers, essentially, with mm-hmm. killing her. Um, they've also called for the opening of the Kendrick uh, Johnson case, which was that young boy who was found murderer, murdered at the University of Georgia. Um Years and years ago, he was found dead, wrapped up in a mat, talking about he committed suicide. Um, they're calling for all different types of cases to be. Um, I can't even think right now because there's so many names we have to say. Yeah. But they're calling for all different types of cases to be reopened um, and examined. And guys, it's tough, but we're getting shit done. Like everybody that's in this with us, we're getting shit done. And I mean, I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> in this hellish country i'm trying to be optimistic but you know we we did our thing as far as um the protest and you know what's funny oh my goodness my sister you know her, her crazy ass she went down to the um the protest that was downtown dallas and she gonna call me talking about girl it's all white people down <laughs> <laughs> she, she said it wasn't hardly no blacks I, and you know what honestly all the little videos that they've been posting on twitter of like the little protest in march yeah it's looking real it's looking real um i don't know lil wayne concert ish out there <laughs> Girl, look, if you can beat our music, then you need to be be out there protesting for us. Like it says right. more when you're out there helping us do it. Cause if we just out there, they ain't gonna listen to us. Right. And also we're not your audience either. All these passionate speeches that went viral on TikTok and all this stuff, that sounds real good. But y'all need to be selling telling it to y'all racist ass grandmas, y'all uncles, the people that y'all know and associate with. Y'all need to be having these conversations with those people. We already know y'all racist. We already know y'all people are racist. You need to be telling your people not to be racist. Come on. You're right. That's it. Preach. <laughs> All right. So, um, now many celebs and politicians are calling for the United States to defund the police. I don't know if you've heard about that, but and I know a lot of motherfuckers think, oh, yeah, bitch, to fund the police, they don't need no money. But <laughs> what the re- the movement really is calling for is money to be taken away from law enforcement and be reinvested in services like housing, employment, community health, education and other vital programs. So far, the cost of policing in the U.S. has tripled and it's now one hundred and fifteen billion dollars a year. So what you think about defunding Nessa? Defund 12. Right. I was about to say, I was about to say fuck 12. Get out. Defund 12. They don't need nothing. <laughs> I mean, do that. I'm over the police. I really am. Like anything that I, does that help them to stop killing us if they defund? Right. I mean, I'm I'm asking. Do you know? If it's gonna help them stop killing us, I say defund. Right. (laughs) (laughs) If it's gonna help y'all to stop killing us, then yeah, defund them. I mean, so they want the money to be shifted into more, I guess, preventative programs to stop people from having opportunities to commit crimes, so therefore we won't need more policing. It's kind of like the New Zealand model. So, I don't know. It works over there. You know, they their crime rate is low. So, I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like there's so much racism, historic racism, mm-hmm. in in this country. Even if we did take that route and try to be like Switzerland or other countries that ha- don't have bad policing problems, 
I don't I don't know if that'll be something that'll be smoothed over too easy because of the past tensions and the past issues that we've had in this country. Like I said, we're literally in a black Holocaust. Can you imagine we have great grandparents who live their whole lives as slaves? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine waking up every day knowing you have to go to your work, knowing you're not getting paid and you're going to die doing that? How insane is that? And y'all tell us we don't deserve reparations. But girl, why do I keep going to this reparation? Do, do I need to run for office? <laughs> yes. Come on, Dana 2020. Or yeah, Dana 2021, actually. Hell, you do better. You'll be doing a way better job than Trump, child. Girl, speaking of <laughs> y'all's pick, not my motherfucking pick, but y'all's pick, Joe Biden finally clinched the Democratic nomination by passing the required uh, 1,991 delegates needed. Why don't you like Biden, friend? What is Biden's issue? What? You are so what? lucky. This segment is short because... I was about to say, can you, can you break it down to like a sentence? <laughs> my basic sentence on him is he is more of the same basic white man politician. There's nothing that's going to drastically change with him in office. And I feel like his nomination is just a win for Trump because at the end of the day, they're going to look at the two individuals and not choose him. Like, you're not going to get the people that supported Elizabeth Warren. You're not going to get the people that support, especially not them crazy motherfuckers that support Bernie. So it's like, I feel like there's going to be a lot more people staying home at the post this year. I pray to God I'm wrong. I pray to God I'm wrong. I pray I come on here and be like, oh, y'all, I'm embarrassed, but y'all, it uh, y'all proved me wrong. But um, I just think that that's going to, I just think that that's going to piss more people off and people are just going to be like, fuck it, I, I'm not going to vote because they think or they see or feel like their, vo- their voices don't or have not counted. I mean, let's just look at the last four years. We've had really, really big pushes for change when it came to having more left-leaning Democrats with more, you know, socialistic Jesus Christ views. However, those people don't get to where they're going. So it's like, there's hope lost. I'm still voting. I'm voting for that bitch because I ain't voting for Trump. And um, and that's 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 that on that with me. Yeah. I mean, if y'all I, I, I hope you wrong, too, Dana. I hope people get out. We cannot do another four years of this like we really can't. And for sure, we know at the minimum, Joe Biden ain't going to get up here and act like the asshole that Trump has acted like. He ain't about to get up here and just talking about the blocks and you know we what do you what do you guys have to lose you know he ain't gonna be saying all that at least he'll be covering it up i don't know like anything is better than trump so y'all y'all please get out here and vote for biden because that's about all we got nigga that's all we got (laughs) dj Khaled. no (laughs) wait (laughs) is that even his slogan (laughs) no it's not but you smart you know You're important. Y'all get out there and vote. (laughs) And finally, guys, finally, um, Bloomberg Opinion posted an op-ed about the ongoing public debate about whether the coronavirus has mutated into a weaker form, making it less deadly. So 
If you want to read more about that opinion, heavy emphasis on opinion, because I don't do conspiracy theories over here, boo. It's on Bloomberg.com. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, they're saying that we should be more optimistic that the virus will be less deadly the more that it spreads. Well, you know, now I'm just like, did y'all get us all riled up and y'all made us stay home for half of the year? We only got half of the year left. We already in the six months of the, to the year. So we have the way we're about to be in 2021. Now y'all talking about it, it ain't this deadly. Like, dang. I was supposed to go to Cabo in May. Right. <laughs> Looking ass. Like, for real. But I mean, that's good. I mean, like you said, it is opinion, but it's so weird because, girl, I was just out and um, I, I went to the store and we went to see uh, Tawan's aunt. And I'm just like, everybody is at the beach or the man maybe, just Lake, Lu- Lake Louisville. When I say, the lines are to, the car line to get up in that bitch is like lit. First of all, people of Dallas, that ain't even a real ass beach. Why y'all out there trying to swim? <laughs> it's filled with rocks. Girl, look, they got sand, they got their boats, and ain't nobody got on no mask. So I'm so confused. And then I hear people going out and get their nails, they getting their nails done. They're getting, I mean, People are out. I, I guess people have got people. America said, "Look, I'm tired of being at home, so I'm getting out, regardless if I get the cough or not." Okay, <laughs> girl. I, you know what? I still haven't lit up on my um, cleansing requirements, but um, I have been a little bit more lax in leaving the house. Yeah, um, I do see y'all crazy folks out there at the pool. You know, do your thing. Um, but hey, chlorine is bleach, right? It kills. Yeah, I guess. I guess I ain't getting in anyway. So <laughs> I ain't either. Look, I'm like, if y'all gonna go out, I mean, everybody's out. So just wear your mask, wear your gloves, use your hand sanitizer, and you know, I'm starting to think that you know they were saying that mostly black people were getting it. Were mostly black people getting it though? I don't know. I don't have scientific facts and data to back that up. I, I don't know how true that is, but I, I want Bloomberg opinion. Come back out with that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back in a couple of months telling y'all niggas y'all should y'all should have stayed inside. All right, y'all. That's it for the water cooler. All right, guys. So today for our down to business segment, we have one of my very, very good friends. Y'all know when I bring my friends on here, we've been friends for umpteen years. How many friend, How many years has it been, Angel? Girl, um, dang, when you think about it, it make you think like it's been like hell let's go. Um, 15? Yeah. Wow. What, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. So my first time ever meeting Angel, who actually, <clears throat> if you guys remember, I shouted her out on a previous show. She is a licensed social worker from Atlanta by way of St. Louis. Miss Angel Robinson, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Angel is particularly special to me because she's not only my friend, but she's also a sister of mine. Um, we ha- we are very close, have very very deep connected uh, soul ties, if you will. And um, I actually met Angel 
at work at the very first job that I had where I experienced microaggressions and racism. So my first time ever experiencing this was alongside her. So we got some stories, right? For days, weeks. For <laughs> days, for days. So Angel, actually, I don't even know where to start with the company. We're just going to call it the company, but it was the first job that I ever had. Um, and I'll just let you guys know, it was a therapy agency for mm-hmm. sexually abused children. And Angel and I were receptionists. Mm-hmm. So we worked a lot with the children when they came, we played with them while they waited on their appointment and everything. We were the us, us two and the other receptionist who was black were the only black people there. All the therapists were white. The director was white and a good 98%, if not 99% of their clientele was black. So if you can't imagine how screwed up that was, like crazy. Wow. So there was one black therapist. It was a woman. Oh girl. She was was short lived. Yeah, she was such an Oreo. I forgot about her. Listen, she was so short-lived that, um, yeah, it was just a second. Piece of wind. And, yeah. and she was probably only hired just so they can say, oh, yeah, we have black people that work here. But she was so whitewashed. It, she shouldn't have been there. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand her position at first. Um I follow her still, like, on social media. I think now, especially with the season that's going on, I kind of see the um, blackness coming out. But, I mean, I kind of feel like this is a time where you can't hide it. Like, you are who you are. You're going to have to own it. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, definitely um, being at the company. I was doing a work-study position there as receptionist, as you were saying. Um, I thought that it would be a great opportunity just because – it kind of correlated with what I was going to school for. And it was all good to a certain extent. But I remember like working with the other receptionist. She was, she was, <laughs> she was a very interesting person herself. But one thing I can say about sis was that she definitely was woke. <laughs> very much um, so. Very much so. She actually introduced me to waking up myself, actually. So um, I'm forever indebted to her because she she linked me to some really great resources and kind of like helped me answer a lot of questions that I was having in regards to well, who am I and kind of filling in some of those cultural, you know, um, questions or journey or whatever. But needless to say... I would always try to figure out like why she always had such a hard time at the job. Because for me, I didn't really look at it that way. I went to high school at a predominantly white school. And so I was just like, oh, no, I think you're taking it the wrong way. You know, it's not like that. It wasn't until I started going natural that I really realized I'm like, I'm just trying to do my NDIRE. Like, I'm not my hair. I'm like vibing, like loving on me. And I just realized the whole concept just shifted so drastically. It was like mind And this was, this is when I first witnessed it through Angel. That's why our friendship is so special because, and it's crazy that she's on this show right now because I first witnessed microaggressions Mm -hmm. at work. 
through her going natural. Yeah, it, it was really, it went from like the discomfort of not knowing how to tell me to call somebody or maybe if they had appointment slips, like the nervousness, the whole vibe of like how you communicate, we communicated was just really awkward and I couldn't put my finger on it because I mean, I'm still like, I don't know what's going on. Um, they were acting like they were scared of her. They were. <laughs> As soft-spoken, like she's the, she's really this soft-spoken in real life, <laughs> and 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 very unintimidating as her presence. Like she comes to you as an angel. Okay, she <laughs> she lives up to her name, really. And they were literally like shaking around the office, like she was just gonna whip out and be like, "Pow, black power," or something like that, like crazy. <laughs> No, seriously. I remember asking Dana a lot of times, being like, "Did I do something?" So like, I'm really sensitive to make sure how I and like. And um, impose myself on people. And so I'm like, am I tripping? Like, Dana, did I do something wrong? Like, what's, you know? And yeah, Dana be like, girl, you ain't did nothing. (laughs) They would say things like, oh, you changed your hair. That's interesting. (laughs) So so what what does it do? How does it do that? Right. Oh, can I touch it? Can I touch it? It's like, no, sis, you can't. You couldn't touch it before. You can't touch it now. So... (laughs) Yeah, it was it was very, very, very strange. Yeah, um, I even remember a situation with one of the um, PhD students that was interning there, and she was actually a minority as well. And just, it was just such an interesting dynamic. Um, granted, she was of Indian culture, I believe, but um, she had said something I don't I think it was to the sense of like a comment about me not washing my hair every day or something like that but you're like a whole PhD psychology student like probably in your second or third term or in your in your schooling and it's just like you really didn't think that was inappropriate and I just remember going through the process with our um, executive director at the time and they hit me with that question where it was just like where they devalue our experiences. And she's like, do you think you're taking this personal? Do you really think she really meant it that way? And that was just one of those moments where I was, and of course she cried. I didn't think her tears meant that much, honestly, but what I realized in that second was that I know we always talk about the Becky tears, but I think those tears go beyond. We just sit at the, the low, we're at the bottom of everything. You know what I mean? So upon her tears, I remember the executive director really just really devaluing my experience and being like, I don't know if you, she really meant it that way. Do you think you're overreacting? And so it just really like was like a second trauma. You know what I mean? Right. And they didn't do anything to rectify the situation. <clears throat> they basically made it like, you know, you're tough. You know, don't take it that way. Let's move on. Ha-ha. <clears throat> you know what I wonder? I wonder if they they still are like that. I realized that this happened a long, long time ago. This was my early 20s, 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how much they have grown since then. Um, because even her approaching it like that, even her addressing it with you that way was completely inappropriate. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't know. Because I think I, I actually looked them up not too long ago. And some of the same people are still there. And I mean, I know people have the ability to grow, but <laughs> from what we saw when we were there, I don't, I don't really see that. 
And we tried so hard, like with those kids, we know when they were going back in those therapy sessions, not being probably really heard, not being related to more than likely, like they would come out of their sessions with the kids and complain about something that was totally black, but they didn't understand it. (laughs) And they would just be like, Tyrell, he just, you know, I don't really understand. And, you know, they were so passive aggressive with it. They mm-hmm. would almost tell us a little bit about what's going on with their client just mm-hmm. so we can they can get our black ass perspective, which was fucked up. Exactly. I'm not going to help you therapy my people. And then honestly, what you're telling them is actually wrong. There was so many cultural dynamics that oh was so twisted. That's a lot. Like, that's giving me anxiety. Just thinking, <laughs> I wouldn't need to go to therapy. Not there, though. I wouldn't need to go to a black therapist. Because, first of all, how how dare her diminish how you felt about that situation? Like, because if that was her, or if that was anybody, if that was any other white Sarah or Ashley uh, at that company, and, you know, they felt like we did something to them, it would be like, oh, my God. They wouldn't be saying, oh, do you really think she meant it that way? Like, girl goodbye good riddance and white people always use us to figure they work out like that's why I don't understand why every white person is in a leadership role because you coming to me asking me about what you should know oh you could see my hand up in the air right now Hello. Hello. like I didn't I didn't go to school to be a therapist you did so you know what I mean like and then to know that they would come out and then come to you guys and kind of you know like you said just complain about it like damn I'm over here trying to spill out my heart to you and this how you feel about me I mean not that it's it's just it's just crazy and that's even more reason why we should all go to black therapists because they know what we go through. They know the issues and, you know, in our communities and, you know, I just don't see them going out and it, that's, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. Come on past Vanessa. <laughs> it actually altered that whole experience altered my um, career. Actually. <laughs> um, I went from, being a psychology undergrad to being like, you know what? I want to do social work because I basically wanted to like heal the whole person, right? Because psychology just really, I realized they were just really looking at the brain concepts and they weren't really like understanding the cultural aspects. They didn't really care. They just wanted to see, can we minimize these behaviors? You're cured or you're minimally, you know, treated and push you on. But I also struggled too because I want to get more into mental health, of course, with our people. But I, y'all, like, I can't get with the DSM-4, like the diagnoses and stuff like that. Like, I read it all the time. I just actually passed my license, um, well, pre- preliminary license um, last year. But it was a struggle for me because there's so many condescending diagnoses that honestly we fit in. But it's not because we have mental health issues. It's because it's been built in our culture. Exactly. This is just, and just saying, this is going back to what we were talking about earlier. It's systematic things that are happening that we can't, like literally, if you're reading a textbook or a test or whatever, and it's saying, oh, well, they do this. And so because of that, they have a mental issue. No, like, Mm -hmm. I I just, um, this is, this conversation is just changing my whole perspective. So it's just, wow. 
Yeah, and can I mention um, really quick, we have two Clark Atlanta alumni in the building. Wait a minute! Hi, girl! Tell me she was a Clark Atlanta C-A-U. Hold on, baby. Yes. Yes. Come on. Actually, Angel was the first person that I ever knew to go to a HBCU, which is crazy, right? Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I didn't know a lot of people that went to, I mean, I didn't know anybody that went to HBCU, but Drumline changed my whole mind, Chad. I was like, oh, y'all yeah, gonna be on the essence and everything. <laughs> Listen, it um, took me three, no, two times. I got it right the third time. So that's how I got the Clark. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> Hopefully I'll see you at homecoming if we ain't uh, we are able. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, Angel, um, enough about them because we have we literally have stories for days. I'm talking about, oh, my God, just so much stuff. And maybe we can even go back to that. But, you know, we mm-hmm. on a time limit. <laughs> so um, talk about the work that you're doing now. Um, like you like you were starting to say you, you changed your direction due to that job and got mm-hmm. into social work. So what has that experience been like for you since you you left St. Louis? and went to Clark and decided to be a social worker. Hmm. So even from my internship experience, it's very interesting how that same concept of the company is really embedded into um, even in my internships I did, um, even several of the jobs I've had in the past. Um, it always became a point, and I think maybe it's because I do come off really soft-spoken. So I'm really soft-spoken, but if people really knew my internal, they'll be like, that bitch is crazy. Like, it'd be, I have that inner aggression, but I guess it just, I know how to formulate it and poise it, where I guess white people don't feel as offended, so to speak. Um, Pisces gang, Pisces gang. <laughs> <laughs> so they always come and they kind of ask me, and they try to make me that token, so to speak. But um, I would definitely say that social work here in Atlanta, period, has just um, been quite different than what I experienced at the company. And it's been like, it's been really good. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I also think being here in Atlanta, it's that black mega, right? But then at the same time, we do have some of us that get higher up. They kind of adopt that sharecropper, slave, supervisor type of mentality, I think that has probably been like my biggest struggle, to be honest, just because that's not what I'm doing. I'm not into oppressing my people. So I've actually shifted jobs quite frequently, praise God, that he's kept me covered because integrity is big for me, you know, and what I'm not going to do is oppress people on the backs of making a white man happy or just to say that their company numbers hit or whatever, you know, outcomes they're trying to get. But that's been... The biggest um, struggle where I am now, I will say, is is very um, diverse. I really do appreciate um, the people that I work around. It's still systematic oppression in there. That thing look a little different, though, <laughs> where I'm at now. But um, I don't know. Um, it, it's been a learning experience. And it's actually, like, molding me even more so into, like, entrepreneurship and just kind of figuring out. Because I do think we need a lot more of For Us By Us to heal us, you know, and that's basically the cause and the movement that I've learned from the company. Um, I've really taken that piece of being 
that voice and trying to figure out how do we heal our people because some of us don't even know we sick child they just out here <laughs> doing whatever and um you know i'm all about loving us as a people we so dang on colorful and i don't know any other culture where people people cop everything we do we can make anything a fact like it's just who we are as a people so that's right Hallelujah. You know, it surprises me that there's so many Uncle Ruckuses in Atlanta. Like, what? Like, that's a good one. The Black oh, Mecca? Girl, <laughs> yes. My first job in Atlanta, it was an <laughs> Uncle Tom child. And that's the reason why I chunked the deuces at, uh, at that job. When I graduated, I was like, oh, no, I ain't about to be dealing with this. I actually mm-hmm. forgot about that. He was, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people in Atlanta are, tr- it's like everybody trying to be somebody. So it's mm-hmm. like whatever you can do to, I don't know. So, yeah, it's there too, which is shock- shocking because that's Chocolate City, child. Yes. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I didn't really see that coming. I guess I was just so focused on looking at the white people that I forgot that, you know, they got supervisors and management getting promoted. You know what I mean? So what other work have you done outside of, you know, your regular nine to five? So again, I think like, I don't know, I'm such a free spirit. So I just don't want to help people. Right. (laughs) Um, And in this whole like pandemic, it really has kind of supported me really just wanting to all things like from health, phys- my physical health, from things spiritually, mentally, like the whole mind, body and soul type concept. So I honestly just recently just kind of took on an entrepreneurial role with a health company that I am definitely really enjoying. I'm really enjoying, you know, the product line. I'm really enjoying like how it's making me feel and how it is ultimately just even helping my family. Cause I think right now in the pandemic, like y'all said a little bit before, we don't know if it's coming or going. We don't know the layers of what it looked like. One minute you tell us stay in the house sick and shut in the next second. Oh my God, the strands are weakening or whatever may be going on. So the only thing, the best thing we can do right now is just really build our immune systems and just be our best selves. So that's pretty much one of the main things that I'm doing right now. Just trying to live through example and help, you know, connect people with different things that can ultimately help them build their immune system and stay healthy. That's awesome. I told y'all she was an angel. She she has a spirit where people just gravitate towards her, but she don't fuck with people. And no, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, I think because the people that I do let in, like like Dana, for instance, like we don't have to talk every day. We don't have to be on each other's social media. I can miss a heart or a post or whatever, but she know what we have is like real. You know, we can talk and then it feel like we were like back in 2008 or something like that. So I don't yeah. know folks, man, it's a lot of clingy folk out here. <laughs> <laughs> so Angel, is there anything else you wanted to say, you wanted to mention? Have you... Have you been protesting virtually or out in the streets? Like, what have you been doing now that, you know, our world has been flipped upside down yet again? And what other, what advice or, you know, 
words of affirmation could you give to the people? (laughs) Since you're you're so angelic. No, I'm just kidding. Honestly, this has been like really different for me because I think Trayvon Martin was like the first situation because my birthday's in February and his um, death was actually right um, in my midst of my birthday celebration. And for some reason, it really hit me hard. And so that was my first time really going out and marching down at the Capitol. In this season, it's been interesting because I'm somebody mama now. So for me, I look at it differently because I'm, I was kind of lost for a second because I definitely wanted to be an activist. I wanted to be a part of everything. But at the same time, I can't just run downtown and, you know, we see on TV every day that the cops are absolutely using force. And I can't take my son to help him understand that this is what being black in America looks like because my son is six, but I absolutely there's a transition happening that's very sad and such as my heart because he's so innocent right now. But it, if we are in a climate where I have to, I have to, um, I have to have those conversations very soon. Um, we actually kind of start them now. He has to understand that there are people that do not like us on the basis of our color. And that's taken the, it's taken the sense of innocence away that I'm really struggling with because six. You know what I mean? But what I did, I have learned through social media. It's been pretty dope because, I mean, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, and we definitely have a lot of virtual activist, activism that's happening. So I've definitely joined that heavy. I try to like repost stuff or even on my page, just kind of help link people to certain things. Like even when you were talking about Breonna Taylor earlier, like there's things that people can do. I mean, Everybody's not going to be in the streets marching and everything like that. And I think, like, we should be okay with it, you know what I mean? And just own a piece of it. We may have some people that's out here that's going to be activists on the streets protesting, but we have people that can be making phone calls. I mean, there's a lot of different things that we can do. And I know, like, public figures like Amanda Seals, she does a lot. Um, and she absolutely puts things on here. She gives you step-by-step what you can do. So, I mean, I would definitely encourage everybody If you want to be a part, but you really maybe even be scared to go out, there's things you can do. It absolutely is. We all have a role that we have to play. So, yeah, for me, I think it's definitely been the virtual activism um, and making these phone calls and signing these petitions. Same. Um, And I'm also putting my money where my mouth is. I've um, been donating to different civil rights groups that Mm -hmm. support um, our cause, that support the bail fund. The bail fund got so big, they stopped accepting donations because they had so much money to get people out, which was amazing. Yes, a big blessing. So like, um, but yeah, putting my money where my mouth is. I'm not Mm -hmm. frequenting any of these companies that continue to oppress us. Wendy's had, Wendy's CEO uh, made a $400,000 donation to Trump's campaign. I'm like, oh, fuck no. Nah. Because I just found out that they breakfast hit. <laughs> but they did say Twitter's, I mean, Wendy's official Twitter account did come back and say that that wasn't true, but I don't know. I'm going to have to do some more research on that. But yeah, virtual activism. Putting your money where your mouth is. Circulating mm-hmm. black dollars. If you need some makeup, go to a black makeup 
uh, supplier, you need Absolutely. jewelry, a black jewelry supplier. If you need clothes, like put money in our communities so that we, cause, cause back in the day at Tulsa, they, mm-hmm. they burnt us down because there was yep. something that they can see, but Absolutely. they can't burn down your website. You know, mm-hmm. they can't burn down your, uh, uh, change.org petition. They can't do any of that shit. So right now is the time for people to mobilize in a different way. And like um, Angel said, it, it's different when you're a parent. I mm-hmm. thought about going down there and I actually had a friend that took her son down there and the girl next to her, uh, not in not in Dallas, but um, mm-hmm. in St. Louis, the girl next to her uh, got shot with a rubber bullet <clears throat> in her side. And it, that could have easily been her son. So it's okay. like, what do we, we can't, we can't put our bodies and our lives at risk, you know, from being down there. You know, the police are inciting violence. Now mm-hmm. it's time for us to hit them where it hurts. And that's in that commerce. It's going to be the commerce. Absolutely. Um, I'm in a position now. I am about to open up um, an account with, I mean, we do have black banks, y'all. I don't know if people really understand that or even really thought about it, but that's also a way I think you were, you're hitting on like, hitting it on the head when it comes to economy, we have to um, definitely make them feel it in their pockets. Yes, ma'am. And if anybody uh, wants to know, like, how, how can I find the, the black company that makes laundry detergent or how can I find the, the black nail artist that um, sells press-ons or whatever, go to our Instagram. I'm sorry, not our Instagram, our Twitter. I'm going to retweet a thread filled with black Company, I mean, not black companies, well, their companies, black entrepreneurs and their companies and where you can start circulating our black dollars. Because once we stop hitting up Walmart and shit, mm-hmm. once we stop going to Target and going to um, Ming and them to get our nails and shit done, they going to make some shit shake. They mm-hmm. are going to have to because they no longer have our money and they need it. They need mm-hmm. it. And you know why we know that they need it? Because every time we pull our money for something, what happens? Oh, they, they change it automatically or they stop doing it or they release a statement, you know, to, to, to coddle us. But we're hurting their pockets. We're mm-hmm. hurting their pockets. And if we continue to do something, we can definitely make some shit shake in America for sure. But we have to get we all have to get on code. We got to get on cold. We got to get on one accord. We have to be in a position to where we all agree like we're going to do this. We can't have three, four Uncle Toms over here doing this. No, <laughs> we all have to be on code. And that's what kind of makes it a little bit a dream, if you will, because we would all have to be on code for us to be able to do this. And you still got black people out here saying, well, George Floyd, he wrote a bad check, which we found out wasn't true. Like just being white apologists. So we have a long way to go as a people. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And we have to be okay. Kind of going back to the fuck you. You have to be okay with feeling how you feel. I don't think um, just because somebody offers you an apology if you're angry, you're angry. If you feel some kind of way, you feel some kind of way. Sometimes when white people offer us apology, we feel like we need to get over it. And like, you know, okay, well, she says sorry. But we know if it was one of our sisters or brothers, we'll still be rolling our neck and busting our hands out. Like, but no, let me let you know how you really pissed me the hell off, you know? So I think we, we do have to own our emotions and be okay with that. Because, I mean, this stuff is just, you can't sweep it under the rug. Even when you get the company emails and different things like that, the email don't phase me, to be honest with you. It, it could be a publicity stunt for all I know. But what are you doing? 
What are your actions saying? And shout out to everyone, everyone. I'm talking about even the Black beauty community and Jackie Ina especially has been at the forefront of calling out all of these companies, Fashion Nova, Shein, all these companies that get inspired by Black people and Black culture and Black bodies. Y'all, y'all need to not only say something, but initiate change. Where are your CEOs? What's your office look like? Do y'all have Black people there? Like, she's been on it. The Black beauty community's on it. Everybody's been on it. And like Anissa said earlier, I think there's a shift. Mm-hmm. I agree. Hopefully, the everybody, like y'all said, keeps protesting. Keep y'all knee on their necks. Mm-hmm. And that's that on that. Okay. (laughs) So, Angel, um, did you want to plug yourself, like your business or your social media? I know you're private, but do you want to, you know, direct the people, you know, to support your entrepreneurial efforts? Of course, of course. So I do have an Instagram. It's called Fix My Crown. That is F-I-X-M-Y-C-R-0. WN. Um, that definitely will get you connected with the health and wellness piece, as well as some of the other things that I have going on. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Angel, for coming to talk with us and being on our show today. I'm so happy to have you here, if you can't tell. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. Like, I love what y'all doing. Um, I've even told some of my coworkers, I'm like, damn, they be saying the shit I be wanting to say. And then even like, even as I, you know, being a guest on, I'm like, dang, Angel. We, um, how I'm going to say this, how I'm going to do this. So, no, I really appreciate it. I think what y'all are doing is really awesome. So thank you for giving us a voice, y'all. Thank you. Thank you, Angel. All right, let's break. It's time for the break room. It's the break room. It's the break room. What your brain do? Girl, we finna spill all the tea. Hey, hey, it's the break room. What your brain do? Uh, you know what? I'm asking y'all virtually, and I hope y'all can. I hope y'all are screaming at me through this, through the microphone or through the phone, like yes. Because insecure on set on um last Sunday was just like it was everything. Like, did you watch it, Dana? Okay, so I watched the first 15 minutes, but I heard that it was the best episode they had put out. The best episode. So what happened? So like it's like a whole does eat does Lawrence and Issa have a chance? Like oh my god! So y'all, so okay, the last episode that we watched before this one, it ended at you know um, Lawrence. He saw Molly in the airport, and you know it was kind of like an awkward thing. And he was like, all right, whatever, see you later. He, Lawrence walks out of the airport and gets on the phone and was like, Hey, I've been thinking about you. Like, can we meet? So our minds could only wonder, like, who is he talking to? Is he talking about Condola? Is he talking about Issa? So of course, you know, they play the what's going to happen next. And you see that it's, it's Issa's going to meet with him. So the episode comes on, y'all. It starts off funny. And let me just say the writing on this episode, the writing, the camera angles, the direction, it was just like black magic. Like I was just like, I was appalled at what I was watching. It was like my eyes were just like, like, you know, like big and just like bright. Like it was just so good. And it felt so good in this time to feel, you know what I'm saying? Like you belong or I don't know. It just gave you some type of sense of like, yes, I don't know. But anyway, so Issa walks in, child, she falls. 
know if y'all saw that. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, okay, you know, Lawrence, what you bring me here for? Like, what's, what's up? And so basically they have this long overdue conversation about how they ended and what really happened and what was going on in the relationship. And um, I won't give all of that. I'll let you watch it. But they talked about it and at the end of the at the end of the night, it was like a date almost. At the end of the night, they ended up having sex. Oh, I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so basically, you know, she the night ended and it ended really well. Issa walked in on she was she asked she went up to uh, Lawrence's apartment to see it or whatever um, and she was like can I go to the bathroom he goes in outside on the patio and was talking to Condola and he was like yeah we can go ahead and meet up Issa heard him on the phone and so she was like was that Condola y'all still whatever and he was like yeah she was like so you gonna go meet her and he was like yeah whatever so Issa getting ready to walk out the door and she does what every woman I feel like should do in a situation but we don't because we're like scared of rejection she was like she turned around and was like what if I wanted to stay <laughs> and he said you know baby hey, be my face baby what he said stay she made the first move made a kiss and they it was it was just I said what condola the woman okay condola who okay okay um, so they wake up together and, you know, he went in the, in the beginning of their, of their meeting, meeting up, he was like, you know, he was in San Francisco, which is why he couldn't come to her block party. And so she was like, what you doing out there? And he was like, you know, he's trying to get a job. So they wake up together and she's like, so San Francisco. So we don't know. And it just, she leaves and she walks to her apartment because she, he, they find out that they don't live too far from each other. So it's just like, they left us on like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen? Like, what is he going to do? Cause I mean, it just felt like old times, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm talking like I'm in the, I'm in the situation. It was really good. It sounds good. I can't wait to finish it. Um, I kind of figured they might have, you know, possibly yeah. did something, but I was rooting for them. Like ever mm-hmm. since they broke up in season one, was it? I was like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't wait for them to get back together. So the only reason, and this might be my just maybe pessimistic thinking about it, the only reason why I'm not that excited about them getting back together is because I like what else? What what where does the story go then? True. Like, and then will the plot be interesting enough for us to continue watching as they, you know, get married and have, I'm sure it would be because they, they're such good writers, but like, I feel like Issa is the type of creator to shut it down before it gets bad. Correct. And she probably would be like, okay, this is how my story ends next. And she, and Issa has already told us she do not give a fuck about us loving insecure. If she yep. wants to take two year break, bitch, she taking two year break. So I feel like yep. if her and Lawrence get back together, she probably gonna be like, okay, that's it. Yeah, I agree. I feel just like you. I agree totally. I feel like, is this the end of insecure? Because she might just be like, you know, this is the end of the story, like you said. But at the same time, I want to see them together. But at the same time, I love insecure. But, you know, I just, I don't know. It's just, the writers are so good. I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened, but it's coming on tomorrow. By this time, we would have already watched it, but um, we'll talk about it next week. Anyways, move, speaking of insecure, we didn't talk about Molly because uh, we still ain't fucking with Molly, but we are fucking with Yvonne Orgy. 
I think that's how you say her name. Yes, ma'am. Um, yeah, she has an HBO comedy stand-up special Saturday, which is today, June 6th. It comes on tonight at 10 p.m. Y'all, it looks, if you watch Insecure, like the, uh, on HBO, the commercials that come on, the previews that come on for it, it looks really good. And I like her. I really like her a lot. And I, Issa likes her. I think they've been knowing each other since like 2008 for a long time. So if y'all can, please watch that. She's really funny, uh, in real life. So obviously, also, did y'all see Amanda Seals did not renew her contract uh, with The Real? Yeah, I. you know what? I figured how long is that going to last because I feel like Amanda is too real for The Real. Like, The Real ain't really real. They real fake. Correct. Um, it's, girl, I have such issue with all of them. I could just go down the line. Like, I used, and you know what? I used to watch that so, so religiously. I used to record it and watch it when I got home from work. But now, like, y'all, y'all keep y'all topics PC. Y'all don't be talking about shit. Y'all are hella tone deaf when it comes to race relations, despite the fact that all of y'all are women of color. And I just felt like, I feel like Amanda was just too real for them from the get-go. Lonnie used to say huge problematic shit about black men especially on that show and I always I used to say I wonder if she's gonna say that shit in front of Amanda Seal she hasn't because you know y'all would have been seen the read but I just I felt like she was too real for that show anyway very yeah I feel like they were all walking on eggshells around her because they know that she would wah, 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 get all of them at, get, get all of them in place I don't feel I, like you I feel like this ain't gonna last long because Amanda gonna get all y'all together, especially when it's t- when we talking about black folks, because she gonna advocate for us from the beginning to the end. Um, and I think she did say that she didn't feel like her message was able to get across, but you can go see she made a um Instagram story or a live about it, and you can see why she decided not to um renew our contract yeah they um, probably silenced her i mean they probably told yeah. her oh you can't say that you can't yeah. be this way and who want to live their life like that especially somebody like amanda seals who is right. used to saying what the fuck she wants yeah. you know yeah and she has podcasts small doses she has a lot of stuff going on where she don't have to do that so and she's not upset about not renewing her contract so she's very happy about it obviously so good luck to amanda i told y'all about the shy last season yeah we were talking about it i told y'all to catch up because a new season is about to come out yes and i cannot wait y'all know i love the shy and uh a lot of celebrities are appearing. Y'all know Candy from Housewives of Atlanta. Uh, she's going to be on there. I think she might have a recurring role or she did. Y'all know she talked about it a lot on uh, Housewives of Atlanta this season that she was, you know, doing the shy and trying to juggle being a mom and trying to juggle being a good wife or whatever because she was out recording the shy. So she's going to be on there. And Lala is also appearing. I'm sure they're going to have a lot of other celebrities, but make sure y'all watch that. It comes on on June 21st. It appears on Showtime. So I know we got all these subscriptions hbo showtime chat if you like me i call my um i call my provide my i call at&t and be like look i need hbo once insecure is over i call and i say i don't want hbo no more (laughs) or like me you could just use your friend's dad's login hey do that (laughs) (laughs) um but on to new music friday Uh, a lot of artists have like joined the need for a change movement uh, movement within music this week because all of the songs that have come out have been about like pr- police brutality and equality and how they just don't like black folks. 
Um, Trey Songs came out with a song called 2020 Riots. How many times? That's actually a really good song. Uh, Meek Mill came out with another came out with a song as well, Other Side of America. And in the beginning of that song, he plays uh have you heard it? Yes. He plays Trump's uh, little snippet about how he's talking about what I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and shout out to Meek Mill. He's one. He's one of my my favorite rappers. Top ten. I, I don't like that song though. <laughs> I heard it, but I didn't hear anything that related to what was going on. But I mean, maybe I, I blanked out. <laughs> you probably did. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, I mean, you wouldn't really, I, uh, and I hate to say it, but you wouldn't really listen to the shit. Like, he, okay. I feel like he could have saved that one. Um, okay. And there might be some people out there that rock with it. I just didn't, I wasn't, I didn't care for it. Well, YG also came out with a song called FTP, which I love the acronym, but it stands for Fuck the Police. <laughs> Of course. Um, and that one, it's, it's got really like a, you know, he from LA, so it's got like that easy. Shout out to Compton. Right. NWA and EB. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, T Grizzly featuring Queen Naja came out with a song called Mr. Officer, which is really good. I love it. Like, um, y'all listen to that song. Have you heard that song, Dana? No. Okay. T Grizzly featuring Queen Naja is called Mr. Officer. It's like, a really like you know how they had those choirs in the background so yeah that's also about police brutality as well and then on to not <laughs> police brutality Lil Wayne came out with a song with Tory Lanez called Help um I kind of tuned out about at, at that song too so I guess it wasn't that good so it, it's not about police brutality it's not about pro- police brutality but those other songs that I mentioned are so so um, what he what he need help with I, child, look, like I said, I blanked out. I listened to the song, Tory Lanez is on the hook. <laughs> I, you know what? And y'all correct me if I'm wrong. It might be about police brutality, but the other songs stuck out with, you know, what about my brother? What about my uncle? Like, this song, I don't know. I think he just came out with something he need help with, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> do you Have you been listening to any new music, Tana? <laughs> No, I've been listening to my old shit, guys. Um, So this week, I've been jamming to my girl, Yeba. Have you ever heard of her? Yes, I have. But I haven't listened to her songs. Okay, so guys, if you want to change your music life, go on YouTube right now and Google. I mean, not go on YouTube and Google. Oh, my God. Go on YouTube and search. (laughs) Go on YouTube and, sh- and search Yeba, My Mind. The song is called My Mind, and her name is spelled Y-E-B-B-A. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful voice and songtress. Um, she's actually from West Memphis, Arkansas. So she has like this little, she's white, but she has this like little soul something to her voice. And you can't put your finger on it but when I tell you this woman can sing her ass off so she came out um with um some new music I've been listening to mostly her old stuff like that and evergreen um but she came out with um some new music recently her new album is called distance um and it's going to be released this year but it hasn't been released yet so my bad but she is such a good singer y'all like if y'all love singing and singers you would love Yeba. Oh, okay well I gotta listen to her because I love that did you zone out when you heard her the first time 
not, I've never heard her song, but I've seen her on like uh on you know Spotify and stuff, but I just never click on her music. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I just never clicked on it, but I've seen her name come up. And speaking of another white artist that y'all, I love Katy Perry. Do you like Katy Perry? Girl, I'm finna hang up on you. Well, I love Katy Perry's music. Let me let me correct that. <laughs> I love her music. I'm just yeah. playing. <laughs> I like pop. If y'all like pop records, y'all know I like Ariana Grande. I like Katy Perry. I'm trying to think about whoever. Uh, I think that's. I mean, I might have another one, but I love Katy Perry. Um, she has a new song called Daisies. I feel like Katy Perry comes out with songs that like build you up like firework or, you know, like, um, inspiring songs. Um, and Daisy's is, is that, um, uh, y'all know Katy Perry is pregnant right now too. So, which is another, I didn't know yeah. that until recently. Um, but yeah, she also, if y'all want y'all pop shit, you know, listen to Katy Perry's, uh, Daisy's. Um, but that's, that's about it. But that's all I have for the break room. All right, y'all. Well, uh, thanks for joining us this week. Um, and shout out to the beautiful Miss Angel Robinson for coming to be on the show with us today. Um, shout out to y'all. Shout out to y'all out there in the streets protesting virtually, online, on foot. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We know why y'all are doing this. We see y'all. Y'all lives matter. All of our lives matter. Um, again, happy Pride Month. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye, y'all. Love y'all. Stay safe.